that was the anthem for an era termed as the Great Resignation. And though it was hardly a year ago, it seems like eons ago for the job market that is now hearing new lyrics to a familiar tune of Slow Down. Google's parent company, Alphabet, announcing today it will cut 12,000 positions. That is 6% of its workforce. Amazon has announced worldwide job cuts. It's been a rough start to the year for Silicon Valley. Microsoft announced it would lay off 10,000 employees, or about 5% of its workforce. Meta announced that it's cutting more than 11,000 jobs, about 13% of total staff. Netflix has made big cuts. So has Shopify, Snap, Twitter. Globally, between Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Meta, and even Salesforce, over 200,000 people have lost their jobs in the past 12 months. And nearly half of those pink slips have come in the new year. I'm not even counting in Twitter, where Elon Musk has gone on a firing spree that is giving me a Trump deja vu from the once popular show, The Apprentice. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. 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 You're fired. But what is the scene in India? Is the job market here also sinking? Is it just gig and tech industry that is getting back to reality and losing the flab? Or is there an impending shave-off across the board? Or are there backstage businesses waiting to save the day with new hires? There are no clear signals coming from the job market. I was providing support to the entire company through content license agreements, etc. And... In the span of six to seven months, I had done almost 100 plus agreements. Post-March, the work was like, you know, just diminishing day by day. Till the month of April, May, we hardly had any work to do. The company laid off more than 250 people. They wanted to reduce the headcount, basically. I went for a proper sabbatical. I took my self some time to think of what I want to do. One month I had a garden leave because they had given us 30 days notice. That was there in my agreement. I have been with my current firm for over three years now. It's currently the appraisal time, so I'm not jumping ship. But I've had multiple offers over the last year. The hikes are good, so let's see if my current firm matches up. So before you and I start to update our CVs or sign up for upskilling courses or even suck up to our respective managers, Let's get the true lay of the land and find out if you and I are in the firing squad line or the hiring squad line. Joining me in today's conversation is E.T. Soumya Bhattacharya, National Editor, Career, Workplace and Education. There is caution, there is apprehension also in campuses across India. Uh, There is constant worry now uh, about how this is going to pan out. We also hear from one of India's largest staffing firm, Quest, where Lohit Bhatia tells us that it's not so grey when it comes to the hiring scene. The wages would cool a bit, but many of these people will go back to the traditional sectors. So there'll be a bit of a rebalancing. And a view from the top of the ladder of hiring, SK Sudarshan from EMA Partners provides a perspective on CXO hiring. We are having some serious challenges in terms of uh, succession uh, for many of these businesses in the core sector. And I, I don't see any easy solutions. It's January 24th from the Economic Times. I'm your host Anupriya and you're listening to Help Wanted or Help Needed, the job jolt on the morning brief. 
Let's jump straight into it with someone whose job it is to know about jobs. E.T. Soma Patacharya joins in the conversation. Soma, welcome to the morning brief. Thanks, Anupriya. Soma, I want to ask you the very basic question: What's really happening? I mean, it's a bit scary out there with all these uh, job loss numbers coming in from the big tech. But uh, you've tracked jobs for a very long time, and you've seen the cycles back and forth. Should we be worried? There is somebody in the job market, of course. because every time one sector gets impacted there is some impact at least in the sentiment so there'll be caution in terms of um, uh, new hiring we are already seeing that the last years euphoria is no longer there in the job market there were certain sectors that were hiring for growth now companies are looking more at replacement hiring and hiring for sustaining the businesses rather than hiring for dramatic growth So of course there is caution, there is apprehension also. Uh, if you look at the placement season that's going on, in fact, in campuses across India, there is constant worry now uh, how this is going to pan out for the class of twenty twenty three. There is all round worry, but hiring is still happening. The impact of a global recession on the sentiment. is not translating into mass layoffs across all sectors in a nutshell apprehension across the board but let's dive a bit deeper and bring in lohit bhatia president of workforce management at quest to really get the ground level check on hiring welcome lohit and thank you so much for joining us here on the morning brief i'm happy to be at economic times podcast today anupriya with you and somya Lois, is there really a job drought out there, or are we just being narrow visioned at this point with the headlines from the tech industry? And I want to start at the bottom of the hiring ladder and get the scenario for the blue and the grey collar workers up front. In the last twelve months alone, Quest has added over three hundred and fourteen thousand new fresh employees into the workforce, which means that we are run rating at about twenty five thousand people getting added. When I say added, this is not. mandate given by a customer it's not selection it's not also offering it's actually the payroll people who get payrolled at least once in a year after they have joined so that's over 314000 people in that a very interesting data point is that 47% or 149000 of these employees have got the uan for the very first time in their life that means they came from the informal to the formal sector for the very first time you'd be amazed to know and interested to know obviously as to which segments do they hail from so our largest segments continues to be the banking and financial services followed by retail followed by the telecommunications fmcg fmcd and then the manufacturing segment thereafter it is ites which we popularly in india know as the bpos and the call centers or the voice based processes and then the it and the other industries interestingly within this data point also manufacturing as a percentage and telecom as a percentage are growing rapidly we are reasonably confident that the base of the pyramid work which is happening in india which is people coming into formalization for the first time people going to manufacturing units for the first time this china plus one which is coming into india construction and infrastructure which is doing better every day the banking sector which is coming out of the npa crisis that level of talent acquisition and talent management and talent addition will continue to happen a few months maybe where people will feel the pain or a little bit of a confusion 
But other than that, I think structurally, this is going to be a market which will keep adding more formal jobs. Could you also elaborate on this movement from informal to formal you mentioned and how that's growing? What are the top reasons for this? So, I mean, a brilliant question and thanks that you asked that. So, the white-collar workforce in the last 31, 32 years has benefited dramatically from India and from all the liberalization and the financial inclusion which has happened. What has not happened is at the base of the pyramid. Now, what's changing in the last couple of years? What's changing in the last couple of years is this huge impetus on spending for infrastructure. We are also looking at a massive revamp of the MSME sector. We've got abundance of labor. And above all, we don't have to produce only for the global market. We also have 1.4 billion Indians whose GDP is also moving upwards. What is happening will significantly bring a lot of investment, according to us, in core sector, which is manufacturing. That core sector will be able to take a lot of these 250 million people who are coming out of rural India, who are coming out of the farm economy, they will be able to transition to manufacturing, subsequently to goods and transportation, to warehousing, logistics. And that's how the economy progresses as people move one level up. Again, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with our obsession of last 30 plus years on services. All I'm saying is an economy which was that agrarian in nature and that rural in nature could not have dreamt to have every kid go to an IIT or an IM and start working in an IT company. We had to create these adjacencies. At least now the adjacencies are getting created. So many people will come to a quest, probably for the first time, take a job as a staffing employee, work with the customer for a few years, graduate and move upwards, start getting permanent jobs. And that's how the economy progresses and moves. So that's our hypothesis for not next two, three, five years, but I'm talking next 30 years. That's what India is going to see from now to about 2050, 2055. So on one hand, we are hearing of layoffs. On the other hand, we have at least one data point which reflects that, you know, that this entire dichotomy of the job market that we've seen actually all through that now, wherever there's a deep impact in terms of letting go of people, there could be a set of uh, pillars of job market that are still continuing to hire. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. Another thing, uh, Swami, I just wanted to add to this is some of the early job losses which have been reported have primarily been from the startup sector. A lot of startups were being funded by that easy money supply which was floating the world during the COVID period. Unfortunately, with that easy money supply, the wage inflation had run faster than what is called the skill enhancement or skill inflation. And as a result, a lot of startups were taking people away, which the core sectors were not able to hire because they had become fairly expensive. Again, our understanding is that as these startups start to shape and come to a new form of understanding as to what should be the right fitment for their organization, the wages would cool a bit, but many of these people will go back to the traditional sectors and probably be there for a much longer period of time. I ask a fairly, what I would call a crass question, Lohit, to put it in an absolute, you know, for anybody coming out of a college undergrad, for anybody coming out not from an IIT, IM at this point, but a third rung MBA, where, you know, they've worked hard, it's, it's still, you still put your finances together to make sure, you know, you've got that degree and you worked hard towards it. 
सिंपल क्वेश्चन इज नौकरी मिलेगी कि नहीं और कहा मिलेगी इट कम्स डाउन टू दैट शुड दे बी वर्ड लेट मी गिव यू फ्रेंक क्रैश आंसर टू इट at any given month when my teams across the country about 1700 recruiters across from the it to the search to the blue and the gray collar segment there 1700 recruiters they add 25000 people a month mind you our open mandate in any month is 2x that it's that we're not finding enough people fast enough to be able to onboard them fast enough otherwise we'd be able to add another few thousand people easily with our customers that's the kind of demand which is out there the second thing and i say this to my own kids my daughter is going to be 15 my son's just 9 right now i tell my daughter my worry is that the top 8 city kids do not have as much hunger as the next 100 city kids of india have so the bharat kids are not really concerned how and where they are starting they are very ambitious they want to start they want to learn they want to move up quickly so my message to everybody out there is and it's less than 0.1% of the people who can go to an iit and an iim and if you're not one of those please don't keep dreaming satya nadella's job on day 1 if you have to get there you will get there but it takes a couple of decades to get there but before that please start please start somewhere start well and uh, put some efforts lohit last word from you to understand has there been any pressure outside technologies on jobs and headcounts there, there are absolutely no conversations on any decline downsizing letting go of people across the board across segments outside of it we're not hearing that we're not seeing that obviously there is a bit of a fear that what has happened to the it space what if consumers were to stop spending tomorrow and what if the consumer companies were to start getting impacted should we be more conscious about it but you know anupriya what happens is when that happens i would always worry for our cxos the avps and the agms and why i say that is because those are the ones with the 25 lakh 50 lakh a crore and more of compensation that's where the deferment happens first the company say let me defer this position out by another 90 days and do with who i have a 15000 or 25000 and a 30000 rupee person is exactly who brings your revenue in every day that's the person you need on the last mile because that's the one who actually cuts that invoice with your customer you can't defer that you need that post to be manned so that's what i'm saying for those post to not be manned is a black swan event and that's a different worry obviously we'll have to worry about it but remain alert to the scenarios around us so the bottom and the middle floor of the hiring ladder seem comfortable for now but what about the top layer of the job pyramid So me and I want to find out if there's trouble at the top as we catch up with K Sudarshan MD and regional chair at the executive search firm EMA Partners who says layoffs are far off and as of now there's a dearth of applicants for the top jobs. We hardly find that CEOs or CXOs have been laid off. Very very rarely at least I've come across. Even if the companies which have laid off typically we see that uh, they continue to go ahead with their plans on executive hiring continue to add people at the senior level you know so obviously the volumes are in as high or it's not visible volumes but they have not put a full stop some companies may have temporarily frozen because sometimes they also want to send out the right message because when they're letting go for so many people at the bottom of the pyramid they can't seem to be hiring 
uh, so many at the top. So while there may be an odd temporary hiring freeze in some of the companies, but in general, there isn't an executive hiring freeze which has happened in any of these companies. So Sudarshan, will it be okay to say that there is a continuous hiring momentum and it comes to the CEO, CXO uh, job market? Yeah, Soumya, you're not far from uh, what the reality is. Yes, there is a good hiring momentum, which is continuous hiring. Post-COVID 21-22, there was a lot of pent-up demand. Of course, there has been a little bit of an occasional blip, but uh, it is just occasional because if you look at senior level hiring, most of the companies don't hire for the short term. I mean, typically hiring happens when there are long-term plans and there's the capital expenditure and so on and so forth. Right. So to your question, yes, there is it that the momentum continues. So if you were to look at what exactly is driving the CXO level job market currently, would you like to name some sectors where you see uh, more momentum than others, some, some other sectors have slowed? Yeah. So first, I'm just looking at industrial manufacturing, which I call it the food sector, industrial manufacturing infrastructure. If you look at industrial and manufacturing companies, be it uh, no, our food sector manufacturing or metals, mining, the momentum continues in terms of because capital expenditure is planned. Companies are expanding capacities. Today, most companies in these sectors are actually operating at global scale capacities. So there is a need to hire seasoned leaders at the top and continuously keep filling the pipeline for leadership. So that's on industrial manufacturing. Look at chemicals as a sector. Again, I said chemicals as a sector, we have always had an issue in terms of aging leadership. So there is a need to bring in fresh talent. One more sector which will really come up, which is what I anticipate in the next uh, 6 to 12 months, is that if you look at our banking financial services ecosystem, 60-70% of the ecosystem is actually public sector banks and institutions. So if you look around again, a lot of our public sector banks which have scale and which play a critical role in our economy, the leadership is again aging. So you will have a lot of replacement hiring which is coming through either through internal travel candidates or external candidates as we are seeing now these days. You are finding public sector uh, banks or public sector units being run by private sector executives who have been hired laterally. So that's the other thing which uh, we are again uh, witnessing. Oh, so Darshan, um, as you're foreseeing and you're talking about some of the older sectors actually at this point, as I'm hearing the sectors that you're lining out right now, in the past three, four years, they have not been sort of a sexy sectors where people have headed towards. Do you see, because of the fact that there would be people who have not ventured into those what we call a skill gap in the entry level, a leadership gap uh, and a troublesome spot for you in executive searches because people have not moved into these sectors actively over the last five, six years? Yeah, actually, Anu, to your point, it's not five, six years. I would think it's the last 20 years because ever since uh, uh, the advent of IT, ITES and the those sectors, if you look at the bulk of uh, talent or engineers, they all moved to the technology sectors over the last 20 years. And manufacturing and industrial was seen to be the harder sector, less sexier, if I can call it that way. And typically, some of these uh, jobs involved not working in tier A locations or tier 1 locations or typically factory locations and so on. So over the last 20 years, traditionally, they've not managed to attract the best uh, talent which is available in the market. So that has led to a bit of a structural issue 
So today, that is where you see that bulk of our CEOs or CXOs in the core sector, they are all north of 50s. And we are having some serious challenges in terms of uh, succession uh, for many of these businesses in the core sector. And I, I don't see any easy solutions. And that's going to be one of the biggest uh, challenges for those sectors, actually. That's, I want to call that a big derailer uh, going forward. If at all anything could slow down, yeah, what should I say, our vision to be a China plus one sort of uh, manufacturing destination, it is going to be lack of leadership uh, talent actually in these sectors, in my, especially in the manufacturing sector. I also wanted to understand, over the last few years, there's been a great migration of leadership, upper middle management who would be piped for leadership roles to go ahead and become entrepreneurs as well, Sudarshan. As the startup scenario starts to slow down and the funding winter sets in, in executive searches, are some of these co-founders, founders that have now stepped out, part of the pool that you may be looking at returning home to the good old corporate structure? Yeah, good point, Anu, because that, that experience is very extremely valuable from a corporate sector standpoint. Because somebody who has been an entrepreneur, who's done it, or even if he or she is a failed entrepreneur, even that's valuable experience. What a typical entrepreneur brings on board is a typical owner mindset. So that's something which companies are always struggling to find, you know, where we want people who can actually own up, make decisions and look at the businesses as their own. And that is where the entrepreneurial DNA comes in. Has there been movement, Sudarshan? There has been. I mean, you, we have seen that recently, if somebody in the digital tech sector, so they brought on board somebody who's been an entrepreneur and uh, somebody who had sold off his businesses, they, they took up a full-time responsibility in the corporate. So they have been instances. And, and typically, they need not come as CEOs. I mean, uh, they could also come at the next level where they could come at the intermediary uh, level. They, they could also take on a functional leadership role or so on, even if they have, uh, so they could be the younger variety because typically many startups, some, sometimes they fail fast. So so I think uh, those are experiences which are quite valued, actually. So Rashin, any possible challenges that you see in terms of top-level hiring, despite it being still holding the momentum, as you're mentioning. Are you watching out for any challenges? See, there are temporary blips, uh, Somya, but I think the more number of uh, business owners which I've been speaking to, they don't see this as anything which is a long-term challenge. We've seen that, I mean, even during bad markets, I mean, uh, there was an instance back in 2008-9 when there was a complete global slowdown after the Lehman crisis. There were only one or two companies which actually went and said that this is the right time to actually hire leadership talent because talent was more accessible during bad markets. So, personally, as a executive search consultant, I prefer markets which are somewhere in between. You know, too much of a bullish market, then you're really, you know, you're struggling in terms of uh, getting the right candidates or people who drop out and or and multiple offers would chase the same individual. But today, I mean, the, the situation is good that uh, the market is good at one level, the market is not so great at the other level. And it also increases availability in terms of talent for us to choose from. So it's, it's not a bad thing at all. Like some softness is good. And in terms of uh, ad- adding the right people to the businesses. It's a bit counterintuitive here in terms of, uh, because in a hot market, too many jobs are chasing one person. Yeah, so it seems like a win-win for the executive search market at least. 
Yeah, touch wood, we are not seeing a visible slowdown as it has ended up. In fact, I would say that there is a bit of a shift in momentum in the last few weeks. Again, we are seeing increased number of search engagements and uh, so on. And as the market actually opens up with more opportunities, you will start seeing negative effects of that. You will see more dropouts and so on. And people negotiating harder for the next move. So all these things start happening. So that makes our job a little bit more challenging, actually. You know, you mentioned negotiations, Sudarshan. So I have to ask you, you said negotiations get harder when it's a bullish market. And right now, what's the situation when it comes to money? Because people might be hiring, but it's not crazy out there as well, right? So what happens to the financial and the packages and what is being offered at the top end of the pyramid? See, the our competition is no longer a straightforward subject because today people are locked in uh, through a variety of instruments. So one is obviously the fixed compensation and the variable compensation, which is straightforward, which is the yearly compensation. So on top of it, people have today's stock, right? Or then there is another form of, I know it's a retention tool, which is your long-term incentive plans. So again, people are actually promised certain sums of money in year two, year three, year four, and so on. So people have locked in. And then there is uh, this whole issue of stock. I mean, typically you overvalue it when you have it, and you undervalue it when you don't have it. So in the sense, when a hiring company is offering stock, you put less value in that. And when you hold stock in the current organization you are serving, you overvalue. So typically, there is always this uh, mismatch. We just did a study of the top 200 Indian listed companies in the BSC. Actually, we found that in India, stock competition has really caught up. You know, in terms of fixed compensation, today is probably just one-fourth of total compensation. But rest is made up for stock and um, incentive-led compensation. The ESOP plans are really working. And people are really making a lot of wealth uh, as CFOs. Just as we were wrapping up this podcast, news alerts of Spotify cutting workforce, although a small number hit the wires. So clearly, the playlist of those singing the sacking song is just increasing by the minute. But what are the questions that are still lingering? I asked Soumya what she is really watching out for. The first would be to understand how the entire layoff piece is going to pan out for other sectors. Right now, it's focused on the tech and startup sectors. So what what happens to other sectors would be critical. The second thing would be to understand how salary increments uh, pan out this year across sectors, because that would be an indication of how keen companies are to retain their critical talent and what are the kind of recognition and rewards that employees can expect. The next would be to understand how companies are going to focus on the entire employee wellness piece. Mental health has emerged as one of the key areas during the pandemic. That's something companies need to deal with on an urgent basis. And we have seen companies uh, come out with a lot of initiatives around this. But going forward, as the layoff season is impacting the mental wellness and employee wellness, what is it that companies are going to do about it? From financial to mental health, the new year has brought in a wave of caution for the workforce. But it is not all gloom and doom. There are pink slips being handed out, but there are help-wanted signs also sprouting up in the economy. 
the job jolt may very well be just another cycle. From the great resignation to quiet quitting to now possibly the great shuffle, it's going to be a new job. It's a new day in the world economy. You've been listening to The Morning Brief, brought to you by The Economic Times. A big thanks to all our guests and E.T. Swamya Bhattacharya for being part of the show. A big shout out to the team that helped put the episode together, Indranil Bhattacharya on the sound, our producer Vinay Joshi, and executive producers Anirban Chaudhary and Arijit Berman. Do like and share the episode and follow us on your favorite podcast platform to make sure you don't miss an episode. Thank you for listening in.